Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Joe Biden took a wistful trip down memory lane the other night, waxing poetically about the events of last summer. He praised it as, quote, the summer of protest that unified people of every race and generation in peace. In Biden's fanciful version, it was all a dreamy summer of love, like the days of 60s yore and flower power. Maybe Joe was having an acid flashback with psychedelic music ringing in his ears. Peace and love, baby. Forget that BLM-led protesters trashed American cities with violence and destruction in a summer of rage that cost $2 billion in property damage. Biden didn't mention the riots. Slipped his mind, such as it is. He didn't recall how thousands of businesses were vandalized, looted, or set ablaze. Amnesia is politically convenient, ain't it? Never mind the police officers who were shot or innocent people beaten and killed. Nah, Joe Biden assured us that the legacy of George Floyd was, quote, one of peace, not violence. I'm surprised the president didn't just sign an executive order erasing history. Maybe he did, and I missed it while I was listening to Grateful Dead. The guilty verdicts and the trial of Derek Chauvin should have been a moment of unity, an example of equal justice under law. But Biden, who vowed during his campaign and inauguration to be a unifying force, decided to gin up the division and incite hatred. He condemned Americans, all Americans, it seemed, as racists. He pronounced systemic racism as a stain on our nation's soul. So there you have it. You're guilty. Biden said so. Attorney. Fox News legal analyst and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. And now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. I use MyPillow and I am sleeping so much better. And you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, the mattress toppers, robes, 
slippers. I love my new slippers and so much more. For example, they're bringing back the buy one, get one offer for the Giza Dream Sheets. I wouldn't sleep without them. That's right. Buy one set of sheets and get another one absolutely free. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free for the Giza Dream Sheets. Enter the promo code GREG, G-R-E-G-G, or GREG, G-R-E-G, or call one 800 for these great radio specials. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Accusing someone of being a racist is now a fashionable cudgel used to bludgeon a person with whom you might disagree. But liberals, politicians on the left, and the woke media have expanded the vile concept without limits. They've decided that their progressive agenda can be best achieved if they label everything and everyone else as racist. And the motivation is quite obvious. It's racial leveraging for political gain. Their thirst for power is what drives it. And they're winning big time. The most popular term in their racist arsenal is called systemic racism. It's a broad and undefined term, which is perfect for them. It can be employed for anything and hurled at anyone. The poisonous phrase is now so pervasive that it's tossed about with reckless abandon. All institutions in America, they decry, are guilty of systemic racism. And the people who run them, well, they're racist too. It's automatic. It's axiomatic. You know that, right? Every condition, every event, every phenomena is caused by racism, they insist. Want proof? Well, just ask the chronically inane congresswoman from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She now claims, said it just the other day, that racial injustice caused the climate crisis. She really said that. Her attempts to explain it, of course, made no sense. It was word salad with plenty of nutball dressing on top. There are, of course, variations on the main theme. For example, all Republicans and conservatives are, by definition, white supremacists. Don't dare to disagree. If you do, you are a racist. Republicans and conservatives are odious white supremacists even if they voted, as a great many did, for a black president. Twice. You see, they only did that out of racist guilt, or so we're told. But it gets worse. Students in schools all across America are being indoctrinated with what's called critical race theory. You hear that everywhere. Critical race theory theory. And and here's how it works. It reduces people to the color of their skin and judges them based solely on that. 
It's anti-intellectual garbage that assumes all white people are inherently oppressive and bad. Why? Because they're complicit in a system of white supremacy, don't you know? Reduced to its bare essence, it means this. White equals bad. So naturally, there are a load of best-selling books peddling the bogus theory of critical race theory. In schools all over America, from grade schools to high schools to colleges and universities, public and private, they're all teaching captive students what can only be described as ultra-liberal white hatred propaganda disguised as education. They're proselytizing a fake religion of sorts. That is, you must always prejudge all white people as racists. So what's the result? Well, most young people who don't know any better are being programmed to behave like unthinking robots. They're told that critical race theory is gospel, and you're not allowed to use your mind to challenge it. In other words, students are not permitted to think. If you do, you'll be punished. And critical race theory is spreading like a deadly contagion. Traditional curriculum is being gutted. Books are being censored. The state of Virginia is moving to ban all accelerated math courses because, you know, they're racist. In Oregon, teachers are told to undo racism in mathematics. In Buffalo, kids are being taught that all white people perpetuate systemic racism. Teachers must focus on a BLM-inspired curriculum that instructs students to question the nuclear family structure. It's insane. I could spend an hour going through all the states that are fully on board, and the brainwashing, it begins at an early age. Critical race theory is coming to an elementary school near you. Joe Biden intends to spend, this is new, taxpayer money on critical race theory lessons for students nationwide. That's his new policy. And if you don't comply, his Department of Education will see to it that federal grant money is deprived. So here we are. The free exchange of ideas and information is now a quaint artifact of America's bygone days of education. It's even infected federal agencies that forced its employees to undergo training on critical race theory born of white privilege. Last fall, Donald Trump put a stop to it. When asked by Chris Wallace of Fox News why he shut it down, Trump said, and I quote, I ended it because it's racist. Participants were being asked to do things that were insane. No kidding. And don't misunderstand me. There are pockets of individuals in this country who harbor racist attitudes and opinions. No doubt about it. I find those people reprehensible. But I also pity them. They suffer from a rare form of ignorance. And no amount of reason will ever change their small-mindedness. But they are the exception. The whole 
should not be denounced because of the few. That's not how a modern-day America should ever function. It's wrong to condemn, for example, all cops as racist because a few are. The solution is to root out the few and prosecute them aggressively when they violate the law, like Derek Chauvin. Where there is a pattern and practice of civil rights violations in a particular city or police department, the feds must step in to force reforms. Now, let me draw an important distinction here. The increasing use of racial sensitivity training, that is a good thing. It has value. It's always useful to be reminded that everyone's different and should be treated at all times with dignity, respect, and civility. But that's different than being politically and racially brainwashed into believing that a person's whiteness somehow makes them a racist, which is what critical race theory is all about. It's anathema to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of judging people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But that has now been tossed out the window. Critical race theory is compulsory thought. It's gospel according to the woke crowd. Moses found it on the tablets, don't you know? And don't even think about objecting or asking questions or presenting alternative facts. That's right, facts and evidence that prove the absurdity of this repugnant ideology. If you do, you'll be branded a racist. You'll be thrown to the woke wolves who will see to it that you are canceled and humiliated. You'll be forced to wear the equivalent of a scarlet letter because social media will be exploited and manipulated as a virulent weapon against you. You'll be finished, gone, as if you never existed. Not that Joe Biden would ever understand any of that. He doesn't want to. Because what Joe Biden wants to do is to divide a nation with hatred under the banner of racism. Because somebody must have convinced him that it's a great way for him to curry favor with progressives and maintain his hold on power. And the mainstream media, of course, is egging him on. They're his biggest cheerleaders. Naturally, the media controls the narrative. If you have any doubts about that, just look at the woke media's reaction to the guilty verdicts in the Derek Chauvin trial. There was palpable disappointment on CNN and MSNBC that the nation might not erupt into widespread rioting as those networks had apparently hoped. It's as if they love the violence because, well, it fuels the flames of their racist rhetoric. Did CNN and MSNBC secretly pray for an acquittal so that it would prove their baseless accusations of systemic racism? I think so. To their chagrin, it didn't happen that way. And when the guilty verdicts were announced, it created a serious dilemma for the woke crowd. It's hard to argue 
system racism when the system itself convicted a white cop of murdering a black man. It doesn't fit the narrative of racial division and dysfunction that the wokesters continue to sell. It actively undermined their systemic racism ideology. So how to handle it? What to do? Well, here's what they did. They just ignored the inconsistency. They continued to advance their narrative that America is systemically racist. When the facts don't fit, eh, just forget the facts. That's what they did. And Joe Biden was all on board. In his address to the nation, he led the charge that America is systemically racist. Now, I want you to take a listen to a conversation on Fox News between senior political analyst Brit Hume and host of Fox Primetime Ben Domenech. It's an important discussion about how Americans should speak out against the stigma that the nation is inherently racist. This is an incredible moment, I think, in a lot of different ways. We've seen, you know, this story play out in controversial ways over the course of the past year, and particularly last summer, in terms of all the different violence and rioting that we saw across the country. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden's response to that today and, and what you heard from him from the White House? Well, I, I think, Ben, that uh, a great many Americans, if not a distinct majority, would listen to what President Biden said, saying that George Floyd's death was an example of systemic racism and be dubious. Mm. I don't think Americans mostly think our country is systemically racist. I think most Americans believe that it once was systemically racist, particularly back in the days of slavery, but even beyond that, in the period that followed up until the civil rights movement of the 1960s, when, when blacks were clearly subjugated, were treated as, as less than full citizens, were discriminated against in a multitude of ways. Uh, but the civil rights movement was one of the great successes in American history. It awakened the conscience of a nation to the injustices that prevailed at the time. And, and huge strides were made legislatively and otherwise to overcome that. Indeed, you might ask the question, Ben, whether any nation on earth has ever made more strenuous efforts to overcome racial discrimination than this nation has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the great tragedies, in my view, of this whole situation we have here is that the that, that perhaps the greatest achievement of the civil rights movement is a nearly unanimous consensus in America against racism. Being called a racist and, and being shown to be a racist is about, is about the worst thing that can happen to you. Um, but unfortunately, that's been weaponized now, and the term is the term is flung about with abandon um, by you know by politicians and 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 others. And I don't I don't think we are a racist country in anything like the way we once were once before. So I I think this this situation we confront now is where you see politicians and others who want, want, wanted to appear that everything that's happened so far is not enough, and maybe it's not, but every step, of course, everything that's done to do better is merely a first step. Mm -hmm. Because I think the truth is that there is advantage to be had in waving the banner of racism. There's a, cheapening, there's a cheapening of all these terms. When you hear Joe Biden refer to Georgia election reforms as being, you know, something that, you know, is Jim Crow, Jim Eagle, whatever, uh, you know, it, it turns something that is a legitimate, you know, uh, uh, thing to criticize in our history, a terrible 
time, a terrible uh, policy in terms of its treatment of black Americans. And you turn it into something that is just bandied about as if, you know, every insult, every, you know, offensive statement, every TikTok video from some 13 year old girl is the equivalent of racist regimes that we had in our past. What can we do, Britt, to, to have our discourse actually elevated on this uh, topic as opposed to seeing it go into the gutter over and over and over again? Well, one thing I think we, 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 we need to do, Ben, is we need to speak out against this loud and clear to say that America may be, um, for a mixed race country, the least racist country on earth, that we have a proud history of doing all we can to overcome the leftists from the earliest days of the Republican Republic. We need to do that. And we need to not be cowed or, or backed down by being by being accused of being a racist it's flung about with abandon we need to we need to resist that we need to denounce it we need not to not to give into it mm-hmm. um, and I, I i watch with with enormous regret the way that you know major american corporations which usually largely stayed out of politics except for some campaign contributions and lobbying for things that their companies needed and so forth now getting on the train of attacking that georgia election law which which bears no resemblance whatsoever to Jim Crow. And I, I see that with dismay. I see the, the fact that critical race theory is being taught in our schools. Um, it, critical race theory is bunk. Uh, let's be clear about that. It is absolute bunk. It's, it's the bunk, fact that it it's bunk and it's racist that it, bunk, Brett. It, I mean, it's, it it is is racist just bunk. completely abhorrent. And, and, and it's, it's un-American in a, in a very deeply disturbing way. And yet they I, are I, seeking I to indoctrinate true. children into it. I agree with that, and I think we have to resist that. I, you know, I was so struck by that letter that the Brearley student, the New York City student, uh, the father of the New York City student, uh, wrote about that school's adoption of that. Uh, he wrote a very compelling message against the indoctrination of students with that stuff. And the reply that came from the school administrators was so weak and, and name-calling, and it was just pathetic. Uh, this, I think this stuff can be overcome. But people have to be willing to make the fight. Well, the, the problem, that, as I see it, Britt, is we are, we are asking Americans who would normally just like to live their lives, to be good neighbors, to be friends, to you know, reach out across you know, all sorts of different lines, to be incredibly courageous in a moment in which they're, they're being demanded of to, to sort of answer for everything that their ethnicity involves. And that, to me, is just you know, something that we haven't seen historically in America and puts just normal, average, you know, uh, <laughs> civically-minded Americans in a position that is extremely uncomfortable for them, where they're being treated as if they're celebrities or politicians or people with endorsements and the like. So how can they navigate this environment given that? Well, the, well, the civil rights movement itself, Ben, was a call to conscience. This likewise is a call to conscience in a somewhat different way that we are seeing the erosion of our institutions, the erosion of our traditions. We're seeing, um, um, you know, as Joe Biden did again tonight, you know, our, our entire uh, justice system called into question um, by the suggestion that the justice for, for people like George Floyd and other victims uh, is rare. Mm-hmm. It is not rare. It is common. Injustice is what's in, uncommon. So we need as a nation to, and as a people, to respond to this. I can't believe, Ben, as a, as a matter of politics, that there won't be a huge backlash 
against this cry that uh, we're a racist nation and a racist people uh, and uh, hearing that over and over again uh, all the time from all quarters or from too many quarters isn't that, that there won't be a backlash to that at least in elections to come mm-hmm. we'll see but i think it's i suspect it's coming so how do we explain people like joe biden and his determination to brand americans as racist Or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said that Derek Chauvin being found guilty, quote, isn't justice. Senator John Kennedy, Republican of Louisiana, offered his take on Tucker Carlson's program on Fox News. I'm listening to the congresswoman, and I'm thinking, no disrespect, but how how does anyone get to be her age and, and believe that drivel? Um, This, to me, is what this is all about, Tucker. No fair-minded person believes that cops, many of whom are racial minorities, get up every day and go to work hoping for the opportunity to be able to hurt someone, including but not limited to people of color. That's nonsense. But the wokeristas, like the congresswoman, they really believe that. They really do hate cops just because they're cops. They really do want to defund the police, which will result in a a fantastic impression of hell. The the Wokeristas really do believe that when when a cop shoots a criminal, it is always, every single time, the cop's fault. But when a criminal shoots a cop, it is always, every single time, the gun's fault. Uh, These folks really do have contempt for America. They should have gratitude, but they have contempt. And they're not happy, and will be happy, until they take a sledgehammer to America's core. Now, you're, you're saying to yourself, probably, look, this is America. You're entitled to believe what you want. And, and I agree with that. And I have hope for them. Um, Jellyfish have survived 650 million years without a brain, so there is hope for them. No smart person takes Ocasio-Cortez seriously. She's turned herself into a cartoonish character with her senseless blather. But what about Joe Biden, the president of the United States, who got elected thanks to his savvy handlers who kept him hidden in a basement bunker at his Delaware home during the campaign. Is Joe's mental acuity so diminished that he's simply reading teleprompter scripts written by his progressive woke aides? That's one theory. Any blockhead can read a teleprompter. But the other theory is that Joe actually has no memory of how he championed racist policies during his five decades in Washington, D.C. New York Magazine remembers it vividly. They did a deep dive into it two years ago because they were utterly baffled at how blacks in America could ever support Joe Biden. Here's the magazine's opening line in a lengthy story. Quote, Joe Biden once called state-mandated school integration the most racist concept you can come up with. 
and Barack Obama, the first sort of mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean. Biden was a staunch opponent of forced busing in the 1970s and leading crusader for mass incarceration through the 80s and 90s. Uncle Joe has described African-American felons as predators too sociopathic to rehabilitate and white supremacist senators his friends. New York Magazine went on to describe how Joe Biden worked tirelessly to make the criminal justice system more punitive toward African Americans by authoring the 1994 Biden crime bill. And here he is, back then, speaking on the floor of the U.S. Senate. We must take back the streets. It doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents, it doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become a uh, uh, social uh, become socialized into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus on that. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized, they literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets. That was Joe then. We have a different Joe Biden now. Maybe Joe, a late septuagenarian who's ashamed of his racist past, has consciously decided to reinvent himself as our first woke president. That's what Victor Davis Hanson has suggested, quote, ironic because Joe's past is a wasteland of racialist condescension and prejudicial gaffes. I encourage you to read Hansen's latest column. It's entitled, The Joe Biden Who Never Was. It's revealing in a deeply disturbing way. But I don't think that Biden is all that smart or competent as I've explained in my last podcast, never was. More likely, Biden is being used, manipulated, by the unhinged venom of the woke left that surrounds him and dictates his every move in a White House where, frankly, the Oval Office sits vacant of a stable and steady chief executive. He's a puppet president, if you will. Biden's advanced age and fragility have left him vulnerable. Not since Woodrow Wilson suffered a debilitating stroke and his wife and a few top advisors covertly ran the government 
has our ship of state been so rudderless? It's dangerous and it's frightening. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.